Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for tuning in on this week's Led by the Word. Uh, so excited about this. We're touching on many kings, and there's an exciting moment here because it isn't just flip-flop, flip-flop, good king, bad king. We do get two good kings in a row. Right. That felt special. That felt like something good was going on. Also, um, I love how it starts out, and this is kind of a part of my notes, but also I just want to say this right at the beginning. It lets you know their dad. And then it lets you know their mom. And it's like before anything, this is the dad, this is the mom. How you're raised is matters. Oh, yes. You know, you, you see these because Chronicles is just kind of a different perspective from Kings. And I feel, this is just me thinking, I feel like the names are backwards. I feel like Kings title is more what's being said here because it's just about the kings and what they did. Uh, While Chronicles is more of like Chronicles of the Kingdom, right. but it's flip-flopped. In the Bible, Chronicles is just short bullet points about the kings, while Kings is the entire kingdom. Right. Did you ever notice that? I No, I haven't actually. Yeah, so anywho, uh, it, it starts out, and the first thing it tells us when we get a new king, it says, here's the mommy, here's the daddy. And that lets us know because if you look into them, you know how they were raised. You know what tribe they're from. You know the importance of what that was stilled within them. As parents, it is important what we push into our kids. Amen. Yeah. My goodness. Like, this is a tangent, but this is, it's still important. Uh, about to go in, can I, I, I want to say my one thing. We're going to start in Second Chronicles chapter 26. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say the one thing here that really, really spoke to me, and then I'm going to turn it over to you for this chapter. Okay. So 2 Chronicles chapter 26, we're in uh, King Uzziah. Mm-hmm. And that one, I don't know why that's the funnest name to say so far of all the kings. We go through this dude, and this guy creates a military powerhouse. Like you read about him, I want to find the number. Uh, I don't know. So what, what he does is he has what I call his super soldiers, his super mighty men. Mm -hmm. And there's like 2,000 of them. And then these guys, and I was like, that's really not that big of an army. You read down like three verses, those guys were given an army of Mm 300,000. So uh, Uzziah comes down, he says, okay, you are the most elite trained. You are the highest priority with materials, with fighting instruments. Then once you guys, I'm going to give you these guys. So it comes through and it does that. Then the next step in verse 15, uh, chapter 26 of Second Chronicles, and he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones withal. And his name spread far abroad for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. They are looking into this now and finding out that the catapult was invented in Israel by Uzziah's cunning smart guys. I know, and it's just like a verse that you read, and it's like, wait, wait, what? You had to go back and reread that. Like, did I read that right? But sure enough, like... So then, he's doing this. Uh, let me read verse 16. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. Mm-hmm. For he transgressed against his Lord God, uh, for against his God, and he went to the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. There's a lot to break down in that verse, but what's really happening, God's blessing Uzziah because Uzziah is doing amazing. Uzziah is walking up before the Lord. He's walking righteous. He's giving it his all. He's doing God's plan. He's, He's stepping into his calling. 
So God's like, I'm going to bless you on this side. I'm going to bless you on this side. I'm going to bless you with military. I'm going to bless you with this. Then Uzziah starts looking around and people are knowing him for his strength. Mm. So the kingdom says, Uzziah, look at your strength. And, and it talks about this in 15 and 16. Uzziah, look at your army. Uzziah, look at catapults. That's really cool. Uzziah, look at what you were doing. Uzziah, look at your towers. Uzziah, look at your defense. None of this is Uzziah's. Mm -hmm. So Jesse says this a lot. When you're called into ministry, you're walking in God's ministry. It's not yours. It's not mine. We're walking in what God's called us to do. And Uzziah was walking that line, and there come a point where he stepped out of walking in God's ministry, and he said, this is mine. Look at what I've done. So then his heart fills with that destruction in verse 16. When he starts doing the exact same thing he was supposed to do, but when he starts in his heart thinking, I've done this. Mm. These people, when the people said, uh, Uzziah, look at what you've done, he should have corrected them instantly and said, no, this is what God's done. I want to I touch on this. Uh, there's a lot in here that's just so exciting to talk about. Catapults. I, love, I like history. I like the idea of what they are. It's an incredible device. They've been used in fantasy films. They've been used in war films. They've been used in all sorts of military up until even some more recent wars. What's crazy is these quickly become not an Israeli device. And I understand one military wants to cop, uh, copy another military so we have the same might and it's you know an equal or a greater value of battle. But this stuff got out of hand quickly. And Uzziah should have known, this isn't mine, this is God's. Mm. This was given for the people. This was given for God's kingdom. This was given for the land of Israel, Canaan. And I am confusing that. And then when, when pride steps in, the enemy's able to step in and mix up and mess up all this stuff. We see that in him. And then later in his descendant, you know, Hezekiah, which we're, spoiler alert, we're touching on that as well. But it's sad that you can see that the things that run through family members. And it's, so, it's also sad because Uzziah started out so well. In verse 5 it says, And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. So we, we talked about cause and effect, you know, choices and consequences of those actions. This is along that, just the good side. He sought the Lord, God made him prosper. And that scripture that Micah read about him being marvelously helped, I had a commentary and it was like the word marvelously, like he was supernaturally helped. Mm -hmm. It was obviously he was supernaturally helped by the Lord. So you were absolutely right. Like that was none of his, you know, his goodness and everything. And he's, he goes so strong. You know, he wins a battle against the Philistines. He digs wells. He has these mighty men of valor. And I like the little footnote. It's like he loved husbandry. Like he had agriculture was like his main thing. Like he loved it. Like he just caused the people to... Um, you know, have plenty and thrive. And then it just took 16 verses for him to fall to that pride. Um, he read the verse, you know, he started to burn incense upon the altar of incense. So why is that such a big deal? Because only the priests were supposed to do that. Even if you were the king, you could not just waltz in there and be like, yeah, I'm going to do some priestly duties really you quick. You had to be a Levite mm -hmm. and you had to be a priestly Levite. And this dude's like, I guess... In and I'm going to let Jesse say her opinion here. I, I guess in his mind, he's like, I can. Yeah. Like, literally, he's like, I can do this. And, I mean, you could even, I feel like we're reading between the lines here, speculating. I'm speculating and making an educated guess. Maybe the enemy came to him and was like, look, the Lord has blessed you. You have a direct line to God. 
this is the Old Testament. This is for the veil was torn. So they did have mediators, right? They had priests and everything. We're living in such a blessed time where we could just talk to Father God any second, any time, any day. Like we have that <laughs> intimate connection. That. We're filled with the Holy Ghost. Like it's awesome, right? Okay, this is before that. So this is why this is important, and I'm reiterating it. Um, so as Azariah was like the head priest, right? So he came against Uzziah while he's standing there burning incense, has like the incense burner in his hand, and is like, what are you doing? Get out. You cannot be here. You know, this is inappropriate. This is against the laws of God. Like, this is against everything. Get out. So he turns to be like, oh, I'll show you a thing or two. Like, he's getting mad at the priest, right? And he is suddenly onstruck with leprosy. I mean, on the spot, God struck him with leprosy. And, and it's not like, only that, it wasn't a hidden leprosy. It's across his forehead. Yeah, it's just plain as you can see. So the head priest was like, bah, like, you know, step back. I mean, he can't touch him because the priest has to also be clean to a certain level. So he's like, oh, my goodness. So they're, like, trying to, like, thrust him out of the temple, basically. And then he realizes what's happening to himself, so he freaks out and runs out. Anyway, he actually dies a leper, um, and it was just like, you started out so well and then you you let pride come in and it ultimately cut off his reign i mean we don't even know what could have happened you know what could have should have should have happened but because of this he was you know his reign was kind of struck short um but in chapter 27 if you're ready to move on to that yeah, I'm ready. his son also did right was what was right before the lord but i love this little footnote in chapter 27 verse 2 Howbeit he entered not into the temple of the Lord. <laughs> it was like, yeah, I'm going to follow all the statues, you know, but uh, Dad, that was kind of, a, I'm just going to stay out of that. That's not my business. Like, I'm not getting struck with leprosy today. He made a note of that. He was like, I am not going to enter the temple and do this foolishly. It does say on that same verse, and the people did yet corruptly. So he did do right before the Lord, yet the people were not really following his lead. And I don't know why. Maybe he didn't take a strong enough stance. I'm not sure. What do you think? I, we, we see this often. When, when a leadership takes a stance against the word, it takes a long time to turn the people's hearts back. True. It's a lot easier to turn to keep people on track than to get people back on track. Yes. And, and we see this. I mean, this isn't just like some big surprise. This is known in public schools and everything. Uh, people are rebellious. Mm. People just want what feels good to them. So when there's someone like Hezekiah who's acting in the side of pride, acting in the side of what does the flesh want, it's going to be harder for the next guy to combat that. Right. And we still see that cause and effect in verse 6 of chapter 27. So Jotham became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord his God. You see that verse cause six, and effect. Verse 6, that's my favorite verse right there. I, I'm just, I mean, that's just straightforward. It's you trust in the Lord, your ways became mighty. We see that over and over in this chapter and, you know, throughout the book of Second Chronicles. Go ahead with that. Well, and um, so he did well. In chapter 28, we go to his son Ahaz. And I do want to make a note here. Micah mentioned that the father and mother were mentioned of each king. But it also mentions how old they were. And we go through kind of a stint of young kings in their 20s. Some of them are 16. And I really feel like I knew everything when I was like 21. No. And also, no. Like Ahaz was just the worst what Jotham was doing, what Uzziah was doing, you know, they were trying before the Lord for the most part. Ahaz, not only did he do wickedly before God, it really seemed like he made that extra effort 
to just be super wicked. Um, he built, you know, the altars to Balaam. He sacrificed sac his own children. He does human sacrifice. And he's doing incense in the valley of uh, Hinnom. Yes. So he, he's doing a lot of witchcraft. I mean, supernatural, awful stuff. And, and I started this out and I told Jesse, I was like, hey, did you notice we had two good kings mm -hmm. instead of good king, bad king, good king, bad king. The bad king makes up for it. Oh, he's horrible. Um, this dude, uh, he, he goes in, he's tearing down the gates of the uh, of kingdom of the Lord, and then he's building up idols. He's taking brass, and he's making new idols and fresh idols. He's doing a lot of disgusting stuff in the eyes of God. And he's doing it everywhere. Verse 4 says, He sacrificed also in burnt incense in the high places, and on the hills, and under every green tree. Like anywhere this man was turning, they were just doing horrible stuff. So, of course, the cause and effect, Judah is defeated. Uh, it says, actually in verse 5, The Lord his God delivered him into the hand of the king of Syria, and they smote him and carried away a great multitude of them captives. So, because he wasn't serving the Lord, Judah, like, they completely suffered. It was horrible. So, the, some of the captives are returned, they get back, and um, the Edomites, in verse 17 and 16, kind of come against them. So, King Ahaz sends um, word into the king of Assyria, not to be confused with Syria, to help him. And in verse 20 it says, uh, he came unto him and distressed him, but strengthened him not. So, only, so not only did he not give him the strength, the help, he also made it worse. So then Ahaz just flies off the handle. In verse 21 it says, For Ahaz took away a portion out of the house of the Lord, and out of the house of the king, and of the princes, and gave it unto the king of Assyria, but he helped him not. And in the time of his distress did he trespass yet more against the Lord, that this is that king Ahaz. For he sacrificed unto the gods of Damascus, which smote him. And he said, Because the gods of the kings of Syria helped them, therefore will I sacrifice to them that they may help me. But they were the ruin of him and all of Israel. So he... Read, read verse 24 too. It just... Uh, he, yes. He doubles down even further. And Ahaz gathered together the vessels of the house of the Lord and cut in pieces the vessels of the house of God and shut up the doors of the house of the Lord and he made him altars into every corner of Jerusalem. It's, it's horrible. And he's taking things out of the house of the Lord. And in our own lives, it's like, if God doesn't move the way we want, and okay, preface, everything this man's done has been wicked. Why on earth, especially like when we see the cause and effect, cause and effect, why would a man that's not serving God be like, okay, God will help me. It's like, you don't even love God. You don't even like God. You're not even serving God. And you expect him to move for you. So then he's like, well, let me take things out of the house of the Lord and give it to one of my, you know, not really good friends. Obviously, it's not helping me. What are we taking out of our lives and giving into the world and expecting it to work? You know, like, oh, well, people in the world that aren't Christians are blessed and, you know, they don't have any battles. So if I live their kind of lifestyle, you know, I'll be helped. That is just a lie from the enemy. This man is obviously deceived. So it doesn't work. He completely shuts down the house of the Lord. He makes the Lord very angry. In verse 25, it says that he provoked to anger the Lord God of his fathers. Everything this man did from start to finish was wicked. And the people suffered, and the house of the Lord was shut up. Like, there was no, there was no flow. Boarded up. There was no flow. And then in chapter 29, his son, Hezekiah, comes on the scene as kind of like the grand hero of the day. Do you How do you pronounce about? his mom's name? Verse 1 of 29, Hezekiah. Abba, Abia? Abia? Uh, he's 25 years old, and when Hezekiah comes on the scene, he said, <laughs> pretty much his statement is, everything he did 
did not work. Right. We are going to redo all this. Right. So one of the things that Jesse talked about in verse 24 of chapter 28 was when he comes through and he's busting all the vessels out of the house of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Hezekiah brings in what I'm calling a ministry team. They're, t they're fixing the doors. They're fixing the gates. They're rebuilding the temple, uh, the damaged parts of the temple. And they're going in and redoing the vases that were inside. Mm -hmm. Not only that, during this whole process, they're blessing it. And I, I want to really touch on, we, we had a ceremony at the church, and it was the most we do a lot of like baby dedications. We do the marriage ceremony. But when we launched uh, step two of our youth ministry, we brought in our new youth leaders and we prayed over them and we blessed them and we prayed the anointing of pastor to flow down to them. Mm -hmm. Last night we had a most incredible youth night. Yeah. And, and I want to say this and I think this is so important. It is important for you to play blessings over stuff. Oh, absolutely. I think sometimes we're like, God will bless it. Mm -hmm. I think that's pride. You know, just like, oh, because I've done it, because of this, because of this. I, I think there is nothing wrong with seeking God on behalf of what He's given you, seeking God on behalf of your area. Well, I love what your dad said. I think it was a couple of Sundays ago about things that you need to pass down to your children before you leave this earth. And one of them was he's like, you need to bless your children. You need to bless their children out loud. You need to bless your children out loud to their faces. Amen. Like, because you're really cutting a lot of things short. You know, God's given you a certain amount of authority over things, and yet... What, like you're just not going to use it? You're just going to shut it up inside of you? Like, I couldn't agree more with what you said, Micah. Like, that was, and I, we see that in Hezekiah. One of the very first things he did in verse 3, it says, He, in the first year of his reign, in the first month, opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. So where his father had shut the doors, he was like, no, we're not doing that. Boarded it up and closed Open it off. It. Yes. Oh, the, the, the Spirit of the Lord is going to flow through here. We're going to make room for the Lord. We're redoing this. We're repairing everything that he had kind of destroyed. I, I want to read verse 6. It's just, it's fantastic to see this dude do a 180 degree turn. Mm -hmm. He said, no, the only way this stuff works is if we run back to God and run away from this. Verse 6, chapter 29, Second Chronicles. For our fathers have trespassed and done that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and forsaken him and have turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord and turned their backs. Also they shut up the doors of the porch and put out the lamps and have not burned incense nor offered burnt offerings in the holy place under the God of Israel. Verse 8, I'm just going to do this and we'll move on. Wherefore the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah and Jerusalem and he hath delivered them to trouble uh, to astonishment and to hissing as ye see with your eyes. People, look around. Mm -hmm. We're in a mess because of a mess. We can't blame God for this. Right. We can't go and say, God did this to us. God's the one to blame for this. We're the one to blame for this. I think something that we got to do, and you see a huge opposite in Hezekiah. Hezekiah could be a victim. I've been given a bad kingdom. Mm -hmm. I've been given pain. And he could take that and wear that just like a victim robe. But instead, he knows he is more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. And he looks at this problem, and he lays it down and just steps on it and says, God, we've made a mess. God, I look at my father, 25 years old, humble enough to say, there is a problem, mm -hmm. and we're the problem. There is a bad situation. We're the bad situation. God, we want to fix that and turn towards you and walk in your blessings. An amen. So they go through this process. They have to cleanse the temple. They have to sanctify everything. 
and they are starting to offer sacrifices. And I want to touch on this verse. I, I guess I should probably read 23 as well for context. And they brought forth the he goats for the sin offering before the king and the congregation, and they laid their hands upon them. This is the verse that I love. And the priests killed them, and they made reconciliation with their blood upon the altar to make an atonement for all of Israel. So this is just foreshadowing Christ. When I read that, I was like, that's the blood of the Lamb. Like, we're, we're <laughs> foreshadowing, baby. But it's also very important. There was this disconnect of people. When Ahaz shut up the temple and, you know, cut off, like, God from the people. Not that you can cut off God from the people, but the representation. Amen. There had to be blood. Hebrews 9.22, I'm paraphrasing, but it's basically without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sins. Amen. And you see that here. And that's actually based on a verse in Leviticus, but I digress. But the blood upon the altar to make an atonement, someone had to bleed for their atonement. They had the willingness. They wanted that connection with God. They wanted that relationship and the physical building repaired, but blood had to be shed. And when I read this, I got chills. Um, I've actually read it like five times over the past week, but I see that, and I, it just makes me thankful that, you know, of course we don't have to do the animal sacrifices anymore because Christ is our ultimate living sacrifice. But when I see this, I'm like, you understand how serious they were about setting things right. Like, they didn't want just the figures. They didn't just want the doors open and be like, okay, we have a form and a fashion of this. Like, oh, here's the house of God. They were really making it right. They needed that connection with their Lord. And that really stuck out to me. That's my favorite verse of this chapter, truthfully. So Hezekiah, the next step he does, um, we've, we've deep studied this, so I'm just going to touch on it. You all know about the Passover. Mm -hmm. You know, the blood upon the doorposts, uh, enemy can't touch me, passing over and going to the next. He said, we haven't been recognizing the Passover. Mm -hmm. He said, I want you to go all the way as far as Joseph's kid, Ephraim and Manasseh. Yeah. I want you to get everybody. Get the tribes. Let's celebrate. Go to Dan. I mean, get them all here and let's do this. So some of the tribes were... I'm going to call it reluctant. Yes, yeah. I mean, in a nice way of saying it, I mean, some of these tribes were like, what? No, we're, we're no longer that way. And then some of the tribes were like, okay, let's do this. And you see the blessings pouring out, and you see the problem pouring out. Mm -hmm. And it's just like Jesse said earlier, that resistance to walking with God is tough when people are pushing against it. That's why it is so important why our children are young to show the importance. The, the Bible even tells us we need to have these conversations in our households of the importance of walking with God because as they get older, the enemy's going to be speaking to them every day. Mm -hmm. The enemy speaks to us every day. The enemy's trying to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And we've got to have enough foundation of Scripture, enough foundation of belief, and enough foundation of spirit in our families. I know this is a youth podcast, but this, this one's really spoke to me as a parent, the importance of this stuff. Oh, absolutely. And I love the story. Hezekiah got a little prideful later on. But during this process of him trying to get everyone together to honor the Lord, pass over, set everything right, verse 9 in Second Chronicles chapter 30, For if you turn again unto the Lord, your brethren and your children shall find compassion before them that lead them captive, so they shall come again into this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will not turn away his face from you if ye return unto him. And that scripture right there, that encompasses what's happening here. Mm -hmm. Hezekiah had some personal problems. And Hezekiah paid for those personal problems. But overall, he really led the nation back to God, back to that communion with God, which is so important, like you said, with our own children, with our own families, that we make that the priority, not a priority. Like, that's, that's the number one. That's what so he, about. there's no Facebook. There's no Twitter. 
there's no you two. And he takes his men. He says, listen, this is a big old kingdom. Uh, we got the big map on the wall over here, and you can kind of get an idea of the vastness of the spread out from Jordan, Israel, all the way down towards Damascus. And he says, I want you to take this piece of paper, and I want it sent out. Mm -hmm. So in verse 10, he says, So the post passed from city to city uh, through the country of Ephraim, Manasseh, even unto Zebulun. But they laughed them to scorn, and they mocked them. And you know, this isn't a piece of paper that says, I'm going to kill y'all for y'all's past sins. Mm -hmm. It isn't saying y'all are trash, stupid people. It's saying, you, like Jesse said, you need to come back here. You need to pay respect to a gracious God. You need to show respect and love to a gracious God. And we need to celebrate Him in this given uh, ordinance called the Passover. Mm -hmm. This is what our people do. This is who we are. And Hezekiah is just trying to turn the people back to that. And that's not how it's supposed to work. People should be running to this opportunity. And we see Christians today, uh, shame on us as Christians, who turn down the opportunity to go to church. Mm. Shame on us when we see this, almost to the point of saying, what is the point of that? Mm. We got Christians claiming, we don't need that. We got Christians claiming, and we got people sending out the call, you need to be here. You need to be praising. You need to be worshiping. You need to be studying. We, we see this now, and we're like, wow, that's... It's kind of ridiculous. Happened thousands of years ago. Right. People have issues with this stuff. They do. Um, but also, verse 11, Nevertheless, divers of Asher, Manasseh, and Zebulun humbled themselves and came to Jerusalem. Amen. So I would encourage you as you're evangelizing, you know, trying to witness, whatever, there are going to be people that are like, me. But there's also, there's a people hungry. These people were hungry for that relationship. And it's like <laughs> it woke it up inside them and they're like, Yes, let's go. Let's do this. Well, think if you're in if you're in Manasseh and everybody, the majority, the generalization people are laughing and scorning this, and you're that one person that's like, really wish we had a king, a leader that would open those doors. Mm -hmm. Like Jesse said, there's no veil torn. If Mitchell's stuck in the land of Manasseh, there's no there's no access to this. Mm -hmm. So then someone sends a piece of paper and says, there's access. You better believe it's going to stir up inside of him that feeling of, we've got God. Right. We got this. Uh, I think verse 12 is such a, uh, to us, we read that verse in a split moment. Mm -hmm. There are parents that happened to them. And the rest of their life, they remembered the moment when that piece of paper came to them. Right. They're yeah. like, I remember when we were able to go back to the temple. I remember those dudes before Hezekiah. But I tell you what I remember. I remember Hezekiah. Mm -hmm. I remember that what he sent. Amen. Yeah, we're, we're coming to a close. Thank you all so much for tuning in with us. This was an exciting podcast. Um, it felt so alive and real. I, I love when you read the Bible and it's not just words. You're reading these stories and you're like, whoa, I can see this. I can see this playing out. I just, I enjoyed Second Chronicles today. Uh, Jesse informed me today and it, it's amazing. We're almost done with Chronicles. So then next week we will finish Chronicles or the week after, I'm unsure. And we're getting into some of the minor prophets. Yeah. So be tuning in. Thank you so much. Take a moment, like this, and share this. Also, the big thing, go to greaterlove.tv. We are, by the time you're watching this, should be a week to 10 days we will be launching the TV station. Now we're going to be doing a soft launch for a couple, uh, couple weeks, and then we'll be doing a heavy launch in December and January. But this is so exciting for us. 2.1 million homes in the United States. Wow. Yeah. I'm sorry, 2.1 million people, 1.3 million homes. Wow. Thank you so much for tuning in. God bless you. God bless you.